Welcome to another episode of Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audioboom, TuneIn, Google Play, anywhere else that you can find podcasts. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, tell your friends to subscribe, and check out the other podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network as well. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Bulls, like us on Facebook at Locked On Bulls. If you want to advertise with us or have questions you want us to answer on the show, make sure you email us at lockedonbulls at gmail.com. I'm Sean Hyken. With me, as always, Cody Westerland. Cody, are the Bulls back once again? They're not back, Sean. They no? may be 2-1 and one in the preseason, but the good vibes of a Friday night at the United Center that the Bulls left with a 114-101 win over the visiting Milwaukee Bucks. Those good vibes went down the chute a little bit with Chris Dunn, um, point guard acquired from the Timberwolves in the Jimmy Butler trade. A guy they're really high on suffered an open, dislocated left index finger with just under nine minutes left in the game, so the Bulls are not back. The Bulls are hurt. It was a game that they looked like they were playing ideal, Fred Hoiberg basketball, and then it got overshadowed by really a nasty play. Yeah, and it was one of those ones we were talking to guys in the locker room afterwards, and they were talking about how they kind of had to look away. They didn't really like seeing it. It's just it's one of those ones when he said open dislocation, that means you know it, it wasn't it wasn't just he dislocated his finger like there was a cut there was a wound there's gonna yeah. be stitches it I was ugly i didn't i didn't see any blood but fred said um that he could see a tendon um in chris's hand when he left for the bench there back to the locker room and justin holiday teammate uh obviously new guy too on the bulls here scored 21 points and led him on this night he said he looked at it shortly and had to look away like you mentioned mm-hmm. and it happened when he went up for a block like Chris Dunn was rotating kind of on the backside or amid the chaos after Sterling Brown, uh, a young guy on the Bucks and uh, Proviso East product actually here, so Chicago area guy, went off the bounce and went up for a vicious dunk. Like, I mean, to mad, add insult to injury, like it was probably the highlight of the night for the Bucks, the dunk that he had. And uh, it looked like Dunn's finger got twisted up on the ball or the hands up there. It's hard to tell exactly on the replay, but um, it was kind of a somber mood because, like, Chris Dunn matters to this team. Like, as much as you can matter to a team that's going to win 20, 21 games here, like, this is a guy they were counting on, and it's just a setback. And another thing, the Bulls, they preached, like, competition in training camp. Mm -hmm. That's what they liked. And this was the main competition, maybe. It was Jaron Grant versus Chris Dunn, and the competition part's done. And on top of that, Chris Dunn was having his best game with the Bulls so far. It was, you know, I mean, I realize there's only been three yeah. preseason games, but he looked good. He shot five of seven from the field. He got to the rim a couple of times. He had a really nice play in the first quarter where he kind of had a spin move, got to the basket for a layup. Like, like this was, this is kind of, you can't say, oh, this preseason game shows exactly that he's going to be this good, but this is the kind of play that they had been hoping to get from Chris Dunn. He was pretty good in the defensive end. And then something like this happens. It's just unfortunate. Yeah, and you said um, this is him standing out, really, 11 points. And he looked in control. Like, mm-hmm. that, that game against the Mavs, he didn't look in control, like, loose with the basketball. The play you mentioned, kind of the highlight real play, where he spun, that was off a pick-and-roll sequence when he went through a lot of traffic. And after he spun between two guys, he had to finish over into the Milwaukee Buck at the rim and get fouled and make the hoop. Like, that's what they we're hoping to see. We don't know, really, we don't know how his spirits are yet. I mean, this is a kid who's been through a lot tougher in life when it comes to his upbringing and um, things that he and his family have gone through. So he's a kid with a good attitude who can fight through this stuff. So, and again, best case scenario, he's out, he's out two weeks. I have an inkling it 
might be just longer just by the way they talked about how nasty it was. And the thing is, Hoiberg said he's out a couple weeks because of the wound that has to heal up. You mentioned stitches. He still has to get uh, his dislocated finger, that portion of it, assessed by a hand specialist on Saturday. And if that's really bad or something, it could be longer than two weeks. And so what's going to happen with the point guard rotation if he is out, let's say, for the start of the regular season, maybe the first week or two of the regular season beyond just the end of the preseason. Obviously, this is like a, you hate that it happened this way, but this yeah. is an opportunity for Jaron Grant to just solidify himself as a starter. So is Denzel going to like just be the backup point guard by default now? Like Cameron Payne is still a ways out and he's not good. So. Somebody already tweeted at me, so what happens behind Jaron Grant at point guard? And I, I tweeted back like, that's a tomorrow question, that's a Saturday question, because I don't know. Fred's already said in camp that David Nawaba is not a point guard, despite being listed on the <laughs> roster as a point guard. We know Cameron Payne is out until at least late November, early December uh, after his foot surgery, and I imagine Bulls fans wouldn't want him taking backup point guard minutes. Anyway, you mentioned Denzel. That seems logical to me, you know what I mean? That's a guy that they've um, preached and promoted as hopefully uh, improving and progressing with his playmaking. And here's his chance, because Jaron Grant's not going to play 48 minutes a night. Even if, even if uh, Dunn's out, like, it, it, it'd be weird to see Jaron Grant playing like 42 minutes even. Like, there are some playmaking opportunities out there for others. And this is coming from the one resident of yeah. Jaron Grant Island. You're thinking he shouldn't get 42 minutes a game. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't have an endless tank of gas. You know what I mean? Like, he's always cruising on a half tank to start with. Just That's kind of the, <laughs> sure. the, the motto of this Bulls rebuild, you know? Like, they're uh, not going into this... Uh, these games with the full deck of cards, you know? Um, this is a team rebuilding. And look, I mean, I'm sure he wouldn't mind those minutes, and maybe you just let him play through all those mistakes. Um, but look, Jaron outplayed Chris Dunn in the first two preseason games, really. So it wouldn't have been shocking to see him win this job outright. But, you but still, like you said, it's kind of a turning tide. You want, you want it to be because he outplayed him. You don't want it because what because one of them got hurt, so the other one got it by default. And, you know, I, I frankly... Chris Dunn outplayed Jaron Grant tonight. Jaron Grant shot just one of six from yeah. the field. Two turnovers. Which he only had two turnovers combined in the first two preseason games. Like, this wasn't one of his better games. I mean, I you still have to be pretty impressed with what he's done so far in the preseason. But basically, this just means he's going to open the season as the starting point guard just because, Jer- because Chris Dunn is not healthy. And that just kind of takes away one piece of drama and competition. Yeah, the there's 13 days from the time uh, this injury happened for Dunn until the season opener on a Thursday in Toronto. Um, so certainly, unless something remarkable happens, he'll probably um, miss that night or come off the bench in a very minimal role, I would think. Um, but let's and, talk about... Or go and, ahead. and again, we've, you know... Given you know what the Bulls' season is and what their expectations are for the season, which is that they're not going to win a lot of games and they're rebuilding, and what ideally they think Chris Dunn is going to mean to them for the future, there's no reason for them to yeah. not let him just take his time to get back. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was more than like three to four weeks that he is out with this injury. Yeah, this could be up to a month. I wouldn't be surprised, like you mentioned. But let's talk about the rest of the Bulls. Um, pretty good night for him. Like really yeah. good by yeah. way of. Uh, I think you were mentioning aesthetically pleasing basketball, it seemed like, out there for, for your Chicago Bulls. This was hoy ball. This is, you mean the ball's moving around. They're shooting a lot of threes. Guys are making the extra pass. This is exactly what Fred Hoiberg, this is the kind of basketball he wants them to play on a nightly basis. Now, the talent level is not there at all for this to happen on a nightly basis. This is like, you know, it's, it's a lot of young guys. The execution isn't always going to be there. But this is kind of the blueprint of, Without a guy like Jimmy Butler or Dwayne Wade who's isolating all the time, 
It's a lot of young guys without egos. Like, this is the idealized version of what they want that to be. Yeah, the ball was moving side to side really well, Mm -hmm. which is something that if you pay close attention to Fred Hoiberg, uh, that's something he mentions quite a bit as a reason for why the offense is is having success and pop in, and then he'll mention that as a reason why it's not on various nights. And there were quite a few times last year he would mention that he didn't think that side-to-side ball movement was there. But the, the idea for the Bulls is, like you said, there's no Jimmy Butler. There's no Dwayne Wade. There's not even a Rajon Rondo, a guy with the pedigree of creating for others um, that, that he does and that Rondo carries. So if the Bulls are going to create opportunities, the ball has to move really quickly so that they're creating opportunities in space and lanes and seams for teammates by way of ball movement instead of pure talent or pure point guard quickness. You know what I mean? Like, it's getting those three passes so the ball's a little bit ahead of the rotating defense, and then Justin Holiday, Jaron Grant, Denzel Valentine, whoever it is, can attack toward the middle of the floor and then play off from there on the pass to the corner or something like that. And 17-34 on threes. So I, there's like a formula here. The Bulls are 2-1 and one in preseason. And the formula is if they shoot about 50%, 16 of 35 in the preseason opener from three, and then 17 of 34, exactly 50% in the third game, they win. They're, they could win 55 games if they shoot 50% from three-point range all year and just shoot 30 or 40 of them, right? Like, if they shoot like the Warriors, <laughs> yeah, I think they could make the playoffs. That's certainly a possibility. And that second game, <laughs> they lost season. to the Mavs. They were 7 of 29 and just got, what, 11 points in the fourth quarter, just absolutely um, beat down in that game. So I, my question for you, how much of this Bulls three-point shooting is real? Because I don't think I believe that they're a good three-point shooting team, but I'm 100% sold on them all thinking they have the green light. Uh, most of them actually having the green light. Like, again, they're not going to shoot 50% every single night on three-pointers or close to it or average that for even any long stretch of games. But can they be a quality three-point shooting team? Or Because I'm still struggling to believe that. It's going to come down to the ball movement because, I mean, the thing about tonight is you didn't really see them... Like, there are some times where, like, they take a lot of threes, they make a lot of threes, and it's just a lot of, like, contested looks and bad looks that just go in, and you're like, there's no way this is sustainable. I didn't feel like a lot of the looks they were getting tonight were bad or contested. Like, they were just getting, they were making the extra packs, they were getting a lot of open threes. They were taking the exact kind of shots. Maybe there was one, like, that Nico took that maybe he shouldn't have taken that ended up going in. But, like, they were taking the kinds of shots you want to see them take. And if they can keep creating those shots for themselves, they're not going to go in every night because, like, there's just variance and, you know, these are young guys. They don't have that talent level that, you know, a team like the Rockets or the Warriors has that shoots a ton of threes. But, like, this, you know, if they can keep creating these kinds of looks, then, you know, maybe eventually they'll hit on a formula that's going to be successful for them. Yeah, there was no, like... Oh, no. Oh, crap. Three-point shots. And then the that ends up going in, and you're like, okay, actually. I mean, make or miss, that there wasn't those no, 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 no shots sure, from right. the Bulls. Like, it did feel in rhythm. I thought something that stood out to me was the Bulls ran, I saw three set plays to get corner three-point looks. I know they made one. I know Bobby Portis made one. Out of dead balls, timeouts, whatever the case is, uh, Corner three-pointers seem to be a point of emphasis. I think Fred said they had they have like 11 of them in the opener or something or 12 looks at them in the opener on the corner threes. And that's usually the second most high percentage 
shot in the NBA after dunks and layups right, right at the rim, anything in the restricted area, um, and maybe free throws, obviously, for really efficient three-point or free-throw shooters. Uh, but those corner threes are important, and they looked like they were running some plays well and like executing to get those looks. So it doesn't mean a ton in the big picture, but at least it's a sign that maybe this offense is a little more modern um, the way Fred Hoiberg wants it. To be, it just feels like progress to me in a way. And maybe this is a sign that just getting rid of some of the personalities that were there before where, you know, with you know somebody like Jimmy Butler or Dwayne Wade who's going to demand so much of the attention, so much of the, many of the possessions and have the kind of clout to be able to kind of overrule the coach. If it's just all these young guys who are trying to prove themselves in the league, like they're going to be more willing to buy into the system and that, you know, that might be part of kind of why you're seeing them it, it's funny you say that because in post-game interviews, Justin Holiday, uh, I mean, within he was asked about the offense tonight and how the ball was moving and is this kind of the ideal system and what you want to do. And in the middle of his answer, he pointed out, he goes, well, yeah, it, it's good because everyone's happy too. You know what I mean? <laughs> and look, I don't think as a young player uh, you expect last year when D-Wade and Jimmy were on the team as a young player – you don't expect to get a ton of shots, and you understand when you don't. But there's also going to be nobody on the team who's going to say something to you when you take one of exactly. the shots. Like, hey, he needs to earn that shot, like like Jimmy did with Denzel last year at one point. Yeah, and like, when Dwayne Wade said, I mean, that was, what, uh, that was probably the most glaring, jarring, um, spotlighted quote in Dwayne Wade going off last year after they collapsed against the Hawks was referencing... Paul Zipscher shooting a three-pointer in the flow of the offense. That was a fair look for him to take with under two minutes to go in a close game. And Dwayne Wade saying afterwards, you you don't have the pedigree, basically. You don't have the resume to shoot it. He said something along the lines of, to paraphrase, if you haven't shot it before, you need to think about whether you're shooting it now. Which, I mean, when you look back on it now, um, that has just got to make Fred Hoiberg seethe underneath. You know what I mean? Because that's not anything that he stands for with his offense. And I know like we're, we're, we're really talking up Fred's offense. And, and like we're they, also really talking down the, the three albums. And are we saying that the Bulls are going to be better off without Jimmy Butler? No, Jimmy Butler no. is a top 10 player in the league. But we're just saying that, that there are not no upsides of the Bulls going the direction that they went. Like Even like the veteran guys on the team, guys like you know Justin Holiday, Robin Lopez, Quincy Pondexter when he gets healthy... None of those guys are like the kinds of guys who are like, no, I am the veteran. You have to give me this shot. So it's just not the way any of those guys are wired. And so I think what that might do is have the ripple effect of giving some of these younger guys the confidence to feel like, oh, nobody's going to yell at me if I take this shot, even if it doesn't go in as long as it's a good shot. Yeah, I don't see anyone yelling at anyone out there right. <laughs> Bulls right now. Uh, their spirit's good. Their attitude's good. We need to uh, lay out a few facts that just kind of represent where the Bulls are at. Okay. Um, everyone loves a rebuild, of course, until the reality of the rebuild hits, and then it gets a little more difficult and a little more real because that's what reality brings you. And we know there's not going to be 22,000 people in the United Center. There's not going to be outrageous TV ratings, but people are still going to follow the Bulls. I'm looking at and the, some of these things. I'm that, looking at the box score, and it lists 17,000 as the attendance. This is like the, this is they're turning over a new leaf. They're not fake. 
oh, listing its stuff as sellout. That's true. That sellout streak's probably going to end their first Honestly, slogan. I was shocked by how many people were at the game tonight, considering A, it's a preseason game, B, it's a team yes. that everybody knows is going to be Cubs. terrible, C, it's a Friday night, and D, it's going against the Cubs playoff game. Like, I was shocked Yeah, by it was it. like half full, probably. Yeah, it was a little um, more than half full. But, but a few facts to put things in a perspective. Justin Holiday led the way with 21 points. Zach mm-hmm. Levine, obviously, is going to be the go-to scorer when he comes back. But there now appears to be a really good chance, in my mind, that Justin Holiday might be the number two scorer on this team. Like, be a guy who's counted upon. He's not making plays necessarily off the dribble, but he does run off a lot of screens on the floor. Um, so Justin Holiday, I don't, I don't know what to make of him yet, but um, he's a very articulated guy, very... Uh, well thought out and seems like a really good teammate. They wouldn't have brought him here if he wasn't right. a good teammate. But, I mean, just what have you thought of his play so far? Well, he just seems like the ideal, like, and I, I thought I thought this when they signed him over the summer. I, I mean, I liked him, frankly, last year or a couple years couple ago years when they ago. traded for him from Atlanta. And, then, you know, they, he was there for half a season. But then, like, I liked that signing this summer. He's the kind of guy, you know, he's unselfish. He's never going to complain about his role at the end of the He's going to start for now, it looks like. But if he decide, if they decide later on, you know, we want Denzel Valentine to get more minutes, yeah. so he's going to come up bench. He's not going to complain. And he also, like, he, you know, he's a guy who gives effort on both ends of the floor. He can knock down an open three. He's going to stay in front of his guy defensively. Like, I, like, there's just to me, there's just nothing not to like about Justin Holiday. Yeah, and he had the tough defensive assignment of guarding Giannis for long stretches. Right. <laughs> and look, Justin Holiday. He's kind of slender to be guarding someone like Giannis. Giannis <laughs> and I mean, Giannis, 20, had, Giannis had 24 points, but he didn't yeah. back down from it. No, he didn't back down, but that's that's just by way of some of, like we mentioned, the talent. You're going to see things like that. Uh, here's another fact. You just react. Nico Miritich was the last bull announced in pregame warm-ups. I mean, he's the longest tenured guy on the team now, so, like, sure. I'm just saying these things hit you like a bucket of cold water when you actually see them. You know what I mean? Like, for years, it's been Derrick Rose... And then it was Jimmy Butler at the height of Jimmy Butler ascending to stardom. And now it's Nico, who the Bulls didn't even have a contract with like two weeks ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, another, it's gonna, it's, here's, a, here's, a, here's a bonus bold prediction. It's going to be Zach Levine as soon as oh, he's back. Absolutely. <laughs> um, in the locker room, it needs noted. Do you want to you guess oh. who has uh, Jimmy Butler's locker room? Oh, I tweeted this before the, before the game. I was, yeah. I've, I've been on this. Yeah. David Nwaba. And then Zach Levine has the Derrick Rose Dwayne Wade locker. That's right. Um, which is just common sense because most media will uh, flock to that spot and it has the most room by it because there's spot. a little middle divider just, and a little middle just, open just area. Like ergo- ergo- ergonomically, it's like a good spot. Absolutely. We thought this out. Shout out to uh-huh. My other favorite note from the Bulls' new locker room setup is that the two two way guys, Ryan Archidiacono and Antonio, Antonio Blakeney, they have one lock that they split, and it has their numbers and just their last names, not even their first names on the nameplate. That is, uh, yep, locker room facts. You got to pay your dues. Right there. This is the you, important stuff. Oh, really oh, the most important development from the tonight's preseason game. There's a new Dunkin' Donuts race. There's, have, there's an app for that? There's an app for the Dunkin' Donuts race. Like, you can vote in the app to influence the Dunkin' Donuts race. Like, that's a thing now. Copy Coffee won today, I should point out, but, like, there's a new protocol for the Dunkin' Donuts race. For new Locked on Bulls listeners... Do you or I need to give a background I'm, on uh, your affinity for the Dunkin' Donuts I've race? I've been keeping stats on the Dunkin' Donut race for all four years that I've been in Chicago. It's a thing I do on Twitter. People seem to like it, so I keep doing it. And this, Sean, is, this is a game changer. Sean doesn't do it. Uh, he wouldn't do it if it didn't matter. And by that, I mean he wouldn't do it if that's wasn't the thing that Bulls fans got most fired up about. The loudest the Bulls get on any given night is during the Dunkin' Donuts 
race because they can get free coffee. Do you get a free bagel or something too? Or a free, well, what, it depends on who wins. If Dash oh, Donut wins, you get a free donut. If Coffee, oh, okay. coffee wins, you get that, a free coffee. That makes coffee. sense. I've never actually utilized that practically speaking, but um, I probably should have known that. I think you should, for if you get a W, I think you should get all three. A donut, a bagel, and a cup of coffee. Sure, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm for getting free stuff. Throw marketing ideas Absolutely. at the Bulls anytime you if want. I hope Game Ops is listening to, to this. Yeah, any uh, any other advice for him? Make uh, someone else besides Nico be the last person to introduce? <laughs> I, think you, I think you should make Paul Zipser the last person. Hmm. I mean, tonight was not a great game for the Paul Zipser high, but a dude on Twitter tweeted at me that he was at the game and he went to the fan shop and bought a Paul Zipser jersey and he tweeted a picture of himself with it, so shout out to him. I need to... Peruse prices sometimes too, but uh, are all jerseys priced equally? Like, is is a Paul Zipser jersey always the same amount of money as a Jimmy Butler jersey? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, frankly, it's more. Like, it's not more. <laughs> they gotta, dude, they, they're gonna have those on clearance now. The With Butler the Jimmy? Jersey? Oh, yeah, those are gonna be on clearance. well, or will they become collector's items if he's a Hall of Famer? Oh, leaves the Timberwolves yeah, to four titles. His, they're his so common goal. though. It's not like you have to look hard to find a Jimmy Butler jersey. Like that's. Okay. Like that's 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 not like I I should note I have not seen a single jersey. I mean the guy tweeted me a picture of his zipster. I have not seen a single jersey tonight of like a current player on the bull. Like I saw some Wades, I saw some Butlers, I saw some Rose and Noahs. Obviously you're gonna always have the Jordans and Pippins. You'll see a few Heinrichs thrown around. I have not seen any Markinens yet. I have not seen any Zipsers. I have not seen any Ryan Archidiakno jerseys. I have not seen any Felicio jerseys. I have not seen any Jerry Grant jerseys. Those, Robin Lopez jerseys. Those are the facts, like I said, that, that hit you and you find out the reality of bucket of cold water. Here's a bold prediction. We're going to see some Zach Levine jerseys by the end of the year. I hope we start seeing them very soon. And uh, the next chance, I suppose, is uh, Sunday? Pel- yeah, Pelicans. Pelicans, again. Pelicans twice in like six days or something like yeah. that uh, for the Bulls, so... I guess we'll have the Holiday Family Showdown Part 2 um, between Drew and Pelicans number two, three score. Rajon Rondo's long-awaited return to the United Center. Yep, that's true, too. We'll, uh, Each one we'll, more returns to the United Center. We'll, they got a lot of former Bulls on that team. Omer Oshik's on the team, though he's been dealing with some health issues yeah. as well. Um, always fun to see Anthony Davis at the United Center, too. Uh, Chicago I hope, kid. I hope he plays. I think he will. He's healthy, and I don't think they're resting him too much yet here. Right. Um, but we'll be here Sunday at the United Center. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at Hiken, to follow Sean, at Cody Westerland, to follow myself. We should have some uh, Chris Dunn news by the end of Saturday, I would think, um, because he is meeting a hand specialist, and we'll see if that um, timeline of being out stays a, a couple weeks or if it is extended because of the results of um, whatever the doctor finds with the dislocation. Uh, Follow us on Twitter, at LockdownBulls, and Facebook. Uh, we're right there by its name as well. Email us at LockdownBulls at gmail.com. And most of all, please subscribe to the podcast. That's right. iTunes, Stitcher, Audioboom, TuneIn, Google Play, wherever else you find podcasts, go on there, subscribe. Go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe. Check out the other podcasts in the Locked On Podcast Network. We will be back with you guys after the game on Sunday. Thanks for listening.